0: I am so excited to see you today. I woke up this morning and I said to myself, I feel pregnant. I feel pregnant with the Word of God. And I got stretch marks all over me. And it's coming out. And I pray that it gives life to something in you today. Amen. I hope you came to church excited today to hear from the Lord. We've been in a series over the last few weeks called Triggers, and we've been looking at those things that set us off. The first week, we looked at money triggers because money can trigger a lot of of stuff in us. Last week, people triggers because people can set us off. Today, we're talking about stress triggers. And I know that that's something that nobody here can relate to. Stress triggers. Maybe you get an unexpected bill in the mail, or maybe your kids are not doing as well as you had hoped, or, or you're working with some, with some difficult circumstances in the office, and, and the stress just seems to be pressing down on you. Have you ever not felt like doing something simply because you were stressed? You were anxious. Your friends were like, man, let's let's go out. Let's do something. Let's have some fun. No, I don't want to do anything. I, I, I'm, I'm stressed. I feel bad. Your kids want to spend some time with you, but you don't feel like it because you're so stressed out. Well, God's word has some great things to say to us. I want us to look today at really one of my favorite chapters in the book of Psalms. It's the 91st Psalm, Psalm 91. And it deals with this topic of stress by helping us understand um, what God says about fear and anxiety. And I want you to take some notes today. There's a notes page in your worship folder. You could take that out and follow along with us. And, you know, adversity and hardship is kind of part of life. The greatest people of faith in the Bible faced great difficulties. Daniel was thrown in a lion's den, I think he had some stress. Paul was shipwrecked um, and imprisoned. Uh, Moses had to put up with the ornery Israelites. You know, he just delivered them from Egypt and everybody's whining and complaining, wanting to go back to to the place of captivity, even though God has the land of promise. And he had to deal with the backbiting and the, the criticism and critique and all that. It really is part of life. I don't think that God designed our faith um, to shield us from all difficulties. But I think he has given us some great prom- promises to get us through the difficulties that we are going through. And if we really understand some of the things that we're going to look at today, our life will be so much better. We'll be closer to God we will have less anxiety, we will have more strength and more faith in the things that God has purposed and called us to do. So with all that in mind, I want you to open up to Psalm 91, take out your note page, and let's begin looking at this powerful chapter of the Bible. The theme of Psalm 91 is feeling safe in a time of danger. Maybe you feel like your life is kind of in the danger zone. Man, you need Psalm 91. You might just want to camp out and pitch a tent right there for a little while, maybe even beyond services this morning, because God's going to say some things to you. And I'm convinced that there's at least two kinds of peace. One kind of peace is naive peace, when we just are not fully aware of maybe everything that's going on, and we're not talking about that today. I want to talk about something that is more profound and, and, and more powerful, and that is a peace that comes in our heart from walking with God. It, it, it comes as a result of spiritual maturity. As you get closer to the Lord and as you walk with Jesus and as you know God, it brings more peace into your life. How does that begin to operate? How does that begin to work? And the scripture begins by telling us that we got to run to God in a time of trouble. That we got to run to God in a time of trouble. Now Psalm 91 1 says the one who lives under the protection of the Most High, dwells in the shadow of the Almighty, I will say concerning the Lord, who is my refuge, my fortress, my God, in whom I trust. <clears throat> and basically, that's a really cool way of saying, if you want to be spiritually strong, you have to walk closely with God. If you don't want to live under the bondage of fear and anxiety, you got to get closer to God. And here's what's beautiful. You can be as close to God as you desire to be. No person can stop you from being close to God. The only person that can stop you is yourself. Nobody can prohibit what God wants to do in your life. So we have the opportunity. We have the 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 great um, blessing of being close to God and part of being close to God is running to God in times of trouble. Now, he says the one who who lives under the protection of the Most High dwells in the shadow of the Almighty. And another translation says the word dwells, um, he who dwells in the shadow of the Almighty. And I love that word dwell because it means like to live or like to camp out and stay. Listen, God wants us to dwell with Him. God doesn't want us just to be a one-hit wonder. You know, I'm with the Lord one day, and then I'm off over here serving myself the next day. He wants us to dwell. He wants us to, like, to set up shop. He wants us to put down some roots with Him. Amen? I mean, God wants us to dwell with Him. But He says, in the shadow of the Almighty... And the last time I checked to walk in somebody's shadow it requires proximity. It requires a closeness. It requires an intimacy. So if I want to walk under the power and the anointing and the strength and vitality of God, I have to be close to God. And if I dwell with God, then his power and his strength will be evident in my life. I got to get into the shadow. Got to get into the shadow. Um, no shelter can be imagined beyond God's own shadow. It's closeness with God. Uh, the most important part of our life is the hidden life. It's the part where we're, where we're close to God. It's the part of our life that nobody sees. It's just us with God and it comes through prayer. Prayer. It comes through reading the scripture. It comes by serving God. It comes by doing the things that God has called us to do. And when and, and we walk with God and we have a closeness with God, we're under the great shadow of God. Now, when I was in high school, um, I had a little brother that was three years younger than me, and he was getting picked on at school. By the way, do we have any big brothers in the house? Some big brothers? Okay, raise your hand. You can be proud. Big brothers? Yeah, amen. Big brothers, okay. Big brothers have a great responsibility. They got to take care of the siblings. So my little brother's getting picked on at school, and the kids are calling this this one kid is calling him names every every day at school. And my parents tried to talk to the teacher, and 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 you know my brother tried to speak up for himself, and so nothing's working. Well, his my brother's buddy was getting picked on too. And uh, it just so happened that my brother's buddy was the little brother of my good friend. So you got two two big brothers that, that are now concerned about the little brothers. And so after this went on for a few weeks, my friend and I said, you know what? The teachers don't seem to be handling this. Maybe we just should take matters into our own hands. So we marched over to the junior high locker room. After school one day, and we kicked all of the middle school kids out, except this one kid. And we told him in a very persuasive way that if he didn't stop messing with our little brothers, that next year when he went to the high school and he played on the football team, he was going to be very, very sorry. You know what's amazing? That kid never said a word to my brother ever again. I mean, it was amazing. My brother was like, Ryan, what did you say to him? I'm like, you know what? It's taken care of. My brother wanted to walk in my shadow. I'm sticking close to him. I'm the little brother. Where's the the big brother? I got some great news for you today. God is greater than a big brother. He casts a big, strong shadow. And God can do what we cannot. That's why we ought to make it our goal in life to get as close to God as possible. Because God has the answers. God has the power. God has the strength that we do not. And that's really what we need. So we ought to run to God in a time of trouble. We ought to run to God. Where's the Lord? Where is he? And we got to get in his shadow, get as close to him as we can, and get to that secret place, that dwelling place. Now, in verse 2, he says that that it's a refuge. He says, my refuge. Look at it right there on your outline. Uh, My refuge, I will say, concerning the Lord who is my refuge. And I love this because it doesn't say the Lord is just a refuge. He says the Lord is what? My refuge, yeah, it's personal. Man, is, is the Lord the place that you run when you are, is, is God the refuge? When you get bad news, What is the, where is the first place you go? Do you call a friend? Do you go to the mall? Or do you say, Lord God, I'm coming to you. The Lord is my Refuge. If you want the strength of God in your life, you got to run to the fortress. Run to the refuge. Go to the castle. Go to the place where the Lord is. The Lord is, he's my refuge. That's who he is. He's my refuge. And I run to him there. I, I love that word run. I mean, you know, just, it implies like an urgency. Not a, not a casualness, but like a, a drive, a, a you know i got to get to God. I can't wait. I can't delay. I can't tarry. Where is the Lord? i got to find the Lord. The Lord is my refuge. And he's a stronghold. And this is what faith is. It's committing oneself to a full reliance on God. He says, in whom I trust. To defeat worry and anxiety, we have to trust God. I mean, can you really trust God with your circumstance? The reality is many of us think that the solutions to our problems are better than what God says. And the moment that we realize that God has the answers and that we do not is the moment that our life is spiritually empowered. We need Him. It is God in whom we trust. Now why would we trust this great God? I think we learn a lot about God by his names. And in this passage, there's four names for God. I want us to look at that. Names say a lot about people, don't they? How many of you have several names? Come on now. You got some names. You got a nickname. You got a title. You got a something. I'm pastor at church on Sundays. But you know what? On Saturdays, I'm coach. You know? At home in the evenings, I'm dad. You know, I got all kinds of names. You got some names. Names say something about who you are. Check out the names of God. This is why we can trust Him. The first is in verse 1 and verse 9, it says, He is the most high God. And it emphasizes God's strength and sovereignty. He's the king of the earth. So when the Bible says He's the most high God, that means there is nobody that is equal to Him. I mean, God is in a category that's all that that is all him. It's all about him. He's the most high God. He he's the Almighty. He's El Shaddai. He's the all-sufficient God who is adequate for every situation. And then he is the Lord, uh, verse 2, 9, and 14, Jehovah, the covenant making God, which basically means he is faithful to keep all of his promises. I mean, you can bank on this. God will deliver on everything he has said he is going to do. There is no promise that goes unkept. That's who he is. That's why we run to him. Because he is El Shaddai, the Lord who is all-sufficient. And he is, also, he is also God. He's God, the powerful God whose greatness and glory surpasses anything that we can imagine in verse 2. So that's why we run to Him. And God's blessings of protections come when I live close to God. So listen, if you want your life to be protected, the objective ought to be, i gotta get, I got to get closer to the Lord. i gotta, I got to get under the shadow of the Almighty. Now, it gets better. Because when I run to God in a time of trouble, I also experience His peace. And here the psalmist begins to break down some very practical examples about what it means to live a life of peace. How do we do it? Well, there's a divine rest in the presence of God. And verse 3 says, Surely I will save you from the fowler's snare and from deadly pestilence. I mean, that's one of the blessings, man, of walking with God, getting in the shadow of the Almighty. I'm not going to be in the fowler's snare. Well, what's a fowler? Anybody got an idea? A fowler is someone who catches birds. What a living, amen? I'm a fowler. In the ancient world, they would catch birds by nets or traps. But, but a really great fowler also had a very, sinister, a very sinister approach. Sometimes they would take a little baby bird and they would sew their eyelids together. The bird would be put out in the middle of a field. And the chirps and the cries and the pain and the anxiety of that baby bird would draw in all of the other birds in the area to come check on baby bird. And it was there that the fowler would snag all of them. This is what the psalmist is is speaking to. He says, surely I will save you from the fowler's snare. In other words, God will deliver you from the evil plans of the enemy. God will deliver you from the evil plans of people. God will deliver you from the people who seek to hurt you and to take advantage of you. That's who God is. And he says, the, furthermore, the deadly pestilence, which is disease. God will protect us. In fact, it doesn't mean that Christians never get sick, but it means those who walk closely with God Uh, will be habitually delivered until God chooses to take us home. There is only one person that determines when we die, and that's God. And until then, we are invincible. God is the one that has the final say. He does. So verse 3 tells us some powerful things, but verse 4 moves on, and it tells us more about this great abundant peace. He will cover you with His feathers, and under His wings you will find refuge in His faithfulness, will be your shield and rampart. There's an image there of a mother bird covering her young. You know, he's he's like God wants to bring like all the little chicks and bring them close. Mama birds are interesting. I I removed a, a nest a few years ago from our gutter and mama bird went crazy on me. It didn't matter that I was like 10 times the size of Mama Bird. Those little babies were in peril. And the dive bombing and the chirping and the, I mean, you know, it was, don't mess with Mama Bird. Mama Bird is protective, assertive, powerful, dynamic. And it's, it's in that image that it's personified that, God's love for us is like that mama bird. That mama bird that brings great protection and brings a covering. Jesus spoke to this in Matthew 23. This is what Jesus said. He said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, who kills the prophets and stones those who were sent to her. How often I wanted to gather you as children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings but you were not willing. Jesus is like, man, I wanted to get bring you guys up close and personal. But you didn't want anything to do with it. And he condemns the city of Jerusalem for doing so. But he uses this word rampart and shield. I think most of us know what a shield is. A shield is, is a protective barrier that God has given to us. And in Ephesians chapter 6, it, it quenches all of the fiery darts of the enemy. But the word rampart is a different word. And it may not be a word that you're familiar with. But it references a protective barrier or an embankment that is used as a type of fortification. So he's basically saying, I got you covered, I got you surrounded, I got you protected, I got you covered. He will cover you with his feathers under his wings. You will find refuge, and his faithfulness will be your shield and your rampart. Sometimes God protects us by delivering us, and sometimes God protects us while we are going through that situation. Sometimes it is God's sustaining power that gets us through where we are. You know, we pray, God, deliver us. Get me, God, Lord, get me out of this as quick as possible. Sometimes it's, my grace is sufficient. Sometimes it's, I'm going to lift you up. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to d- deliver you from from every circumstance. I'm just going to empower you in and through it. In verse 5, he moves on, though, and he says, you will not fear the terror of the night, the arrows that fly by day, the plague that stalks in the darkness of the pestilence and That ravages at noon, though a thousand fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand. The pestilence will not reach you. You will only see it with your eyes and the witness of your punishment of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord my refuge, the most high God, your dwelling place. No harm will come on you. No plague will come near your tent. For he will give his angels orders concerning you to protect you in all your ways. They will support you with their hands. So that you will not strike your foot against the stone, and you will tread on the lion and the cobra, and you will trample the young lion and the serpent. Boy, a lot of, a lot of peace there. God's with us is the big idea of verses 3 and following. and He talks about the unseen. He says things in the dark. Uh, maybe you have a fear of the dark. He says the terror of the night. Maybe you can't sleep well at night. Maybe, maybe your anxiety keeps you up late at night. Man, we need to rest in the Lord. He said God's strength and God's provision and His protection is what's going to get me through the terrors of the night. We have more terrors at night than we do during the day. But God's going to get us through those things. He really is. He says, don't live in fear because when you have fear, you cannot have peace. And many times fear is just a lack of trust in God. So can you trust God with that thing that is keeping you up at night? He speaks about sickness, the pestilence, the disease. He talks about death, God's protection. Some of us have been through circumstances, and you know God protected you from death. You could have easily died if just one little thing had done, been done differently. Bang. Game over. And God watched over you. God protected you. Some of us have dealt with a terminal illness and sickness, and yet God has sustained you. And God's watched over you. Don't forget that. We, do we need to give the Lord some more credit than He, he is getting from us right now? Amen. I believe that. I just think the Lord has protected you more than you think that he has. Maybe you ought to think about that this afternoon. God's been with you. You've been through some things. God's protected you. It could have been worse. It could have been much worse. Look at verse 9. Because you have made the Lord my refuge, the Most High, your dwelling place. In other words, i got to get with God. No harm will come to you. No plague will come near your tent, for he will give his angels orders concerning you to protect you in all your ways. Now he speaks here of these angels, ministering spirits. Angels are God's divine agents that are that are that have been dispersed throughout the earth to watch over and to take care of us. And if you're a follower in Christ, you have angels that are watching over you. I mean, is that just awesome today to think about for just a moment? I mean, angels are protecting you. You you thought it was you trying to protect yourself. God has sent angels to watch over you. Come on now. And the only time that the devil quotes the Psalms is in Matthew and Luke chapters 4 where he quotes this passage to Jesus. Jesus has been fasting for 40 days and nights. He's weak. He's tired. He's, he's lethargic, man. He's been, he hadn't had anything to eat, you know? And the devil comes and begins to challenge him on this thing, but he actually misquotes the passage. But that's a sermon for another time. I want you to know today the devil knows the Bible. But listen, when you know what God's Word has said, you will trample on his head. And it says there in verse 13 that... Um, that you will tread on the lion and the cobra. Those are, those are titles that are given to Satan throughout Scripture. In 1 Peter, he roams about like a roaring lion. In Genesis chapter 3... He's in the form of a serpent. So when we, talk, when we talk about serpents and lions, many times that's associated with the devil. But he says, listen, when the power of God is in your life and God's given you ministering spirits and the angels, you will step on the head of the devil. Amen? Come on. It's an awesome thing. So don't be afraid. You will trample on the young lion and the serpent. That's what will happen. And God is protecting us and He's watching over us. And He wants us to understand all of this because He wants us to know that we are a victor, not a victim. We got to get that victim mentality, you know, out of our mind. I'm a victor. I got angels. I got ministering spirits. I got the word of God. I got the power of God. I'm drawn close to God. And what more do I need? I don't want to live by triggers. I don't want to live by my phobias. I don't want to live by my own anxieties. I want to live under the power and the strength and the vitality of Almighty God. And when I experience his peace, I will discover his power and abundance. Now God's gonna give us seven promises right here in verses 14 to 16. And in this final verses of the text, it changes. It was it was originally in Psalm 91, it started out talking about you. And it was talking about me, but now this is God speaking. This is God has the last word. God has the final word when it comes to anxiety and fear. Let's see what He has to say to us. Because He has His heart set on me, I will deliver Him, I will protect Him because He knows my name. When he calls out to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and give him honor. I will satisfy him with a long life and show him my salvation. Wow. You know what? I read that and I was like, there's a lot more to walking with God than I've been accessing. It kind of reminded me a few years ago, I got an American Express card and I'd had it for a while and, you know, the, a friend of mine said, hey, are you, you, are you using that at the Centurion Lounge? And I said, what are you talking about? He said, well, you fly to Dallas-Fort Worth Airport, don't you? I was like, yeah, we have all kinds of family and friends there. We're always in Dallas. And he said, well, at the DFW Airport, they have the Centurion Lounge. And if you have the Amex card, you can go there and, and, and it's just an amazing place. You need to look it up. And so I pulled it up on my phone, and I I discovered that I had been missing out on an amazing experience. I mean, first of all, there's free food for, for you and your family. And, I mean, we're talking like pork loins and all kinds of vegetables, like awesome food. They have breakfast, lunch, and dinner. They have hot cookies when you get there. You can get a locker to store your suitcase so you don't have to carry it all around the, the, the restaurant part. There's workspaces. There's even a play space for your children if you need to have that. There's a conference room if you need to have a meeting. There's a spa. There's a shower if you need to clean up a little bit. I mean, this whole place is just simply Amazing. I was talking to Gina. I said, you know what? We need to just fly to Dallas just to hang out at the Centurion Lounge. I mean, that place is awesome. But then I was kind of frustrated. I was like, I had this card. I had this membership. I had these privileges. But I wasn't using them. And I felt so disappointed. I wonder when it comes to our spiritual life. If God has given us a lot more opportunity, if He's given us a lot more privilege than we've been accessing, has He been giving us more power and more strength and more authority over stress and anxiety than we have even realized? And we haven't been drawing on it. We haven't been, We haven't been calling on His name. Now this is a conditional promise here and Psalm ninety-one fourteen, he says, because his heart is set on me. Another translation says, because he loves me. But the word love is an unusual word that means to cling to or to be passionate about. So what he's saying here is if you will cling to God, if you love God, if you're passionate about God, these are the things that begin to take place and to take root in your life. Number one, I will deliver you. To deliver means to carry In other words, God will carry you through what you are going through. See, sometimes we have this idea that God is like a distant grandfather or he's like an apathetic creator or some ambivalent life force or he is an unloving judge. But nothing could be further from the truth. God is a personal God. God God is a God that, that... that is concerned with the intimate details of our lives. He really cares. He wants to be involved. And he says, I will, I will deliver you. God will deliver you through the financial crisis. He will pick you up. He will, he will carry you through. God will deliver you from fertility issues. God will deliver you through the, the circumstances that are before you. God's going to deliver you. He says, I'll protect you. Verse 14, don't, don't fear God is watching out for you. I I know the devil is nasty, but God is the one that's protecting you. Don't fear. God's watching. He's watching. God is protecting you. God is watching over you. Some of you have children that have gone off to college and you're apprehensive and worried. Some of you are worried about your kids and they're still at home. Know this God is watching out for your kids. God's watching out for your family. God, God is protecting God is protecting you. The closer we get to God, the more protected we are under his wings. Now, one of my favorite examples of this is the Old Testament story of Jonah. Jonah was a man that was called to go to a city to preach, but he, he, he didn't want to go because he didn't like those people. And so he boarded a ship, and a great storm arose because he had disobeyed God. And uh, in order to to calm the waves, the sailors threw him overboard and he was swallowed by a great fish and he was burped up on the, the banks of the city that he was called to go to. How easy would it have been for Jonah to say, You know, God, why did you bring the storm into my life? I mean, come on, Lord. But Jonah came to his senses and he understood the reason that he had the storm was by his own doing. Sometimes we blame God for the bad choices that we make. Don't do that. Where was God when I blah, blah, blah? Well, you know what? You were the one that jumped off the cliff. You know, Don't blame God for that. Don't blame God. But you know what's amazing about the story of Jonah? Is that God was still merciful and gracious and kind to someone who had run away from him. And that's the heart of God. And God welcomes us home if we've been far from him. He really does because he loves us. He protects us. He says he will answer us, verse 15. Draw close to God and you'll see answered prayer. You control the level of blessing in your life. Man, if you want to live a blessed life, do what God has said. It's easy to look around and go, man, I wish I had her life. I wish I had his life. They have so many blessings. I have no blessings. Let me tell you, God blesses everybody in different ways. But let me tell you this. If you will follow what God has said, you will be blessed. He cannot help but bless you. God's principles are timeless. God's principles always work. And you'll, your life will be blessed, man, if you'll follow what he says. He says, I, I will protect you. I'll answer you. I mean, God is not the God that just says, uh, yeah, 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 I, thank you for praying, that's, that's good. No, no, God listens. God's concerned. God wants to hear the things that you're concerned about. I will be with him in trouble, verse 15. How does God do that? Well, he sent his son, Jesus Christ. Did you know the Christian faith is the only faith that teaches that God came to earth? That's what we call the incarnation. God came to earth in the person of Christ. Why did he do that? One of the reasons is so that he could sympathize with our weaknesses, so he could understand the troubles that we're going through. You see, when we pray to God through the person of Christ, he he gets it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I I remember. I I walked the earth. I, I was there. I've had people say that about me i face faced those same situations. That's why he's such an amazing God. God understands. I'll be with you in trouble. I will honor you. And to honor means to give weight to something. To give significance or the utmost attention. It is, it is the highest of priorities. God says, you know what? You have weight with me. You have clout. I have an interest in your well-being. You need something, I'm paying attention he says, and then I will be satisfied, verse 16. Many people are not satisfied. But you know what? When we get to the end of our life, we'll live and say, no regret we will be satisfied in the Lord. Sometimes we seek satisfaction in everything else, only to find that it comes from God. And finally, I will show him my salvation. We'll be victorious in death. You see, to the d- degree to which we, that we seek God, will determine the degree to which we find His blessings and His power in our life. We do not have to live under the trigger of stress and anxiety. We can run to God and see His power and strength within us. Let's bow together for a word of prayer.